Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mid-Major Madness podcast. My name is Russ Steinberg. I'm joined, as always, by my co-editors, Chris Schutte and Greg Mitchell. We're recording this on Sunday night, so the weekend's games are just about done. Uh, Last I saw, Gonzaga was up big on Washington, so the weekend's action is pretty much settled at this point. We've played about a month of the season. I think by now we have a pretty good idea of where a lot of our teams stand. So we're going to start the way we always do, just by going around and talking about a team that's impressed us or something that's stuck out or whatever. Then I think we're going to break down our power rankings as we have them. Of course, we have uh, 10 or 11 people on staff who actually vote, uh, including the three of us. So we're going to debate who falls where, because this was this was a really tough weekend to try and place teams. So I guess I'll... I'll start with a team that I think we all had on our radar, wasn't really sure what to do with them, and then they picked up a really nice win this week, and they ended up in my power rankings. Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to be in everybody's, but they're they're probably good enough to be ranked tomorrow. Uh, that's Stephen F. Austin, the Lumberjacks, out of the Southland Conference. They are 9-1, and one, and until this week had not beaten a top 100 team, had not beaten a top 150 team. Then they went to Louisiana tech and won their 85, 83 followed that up with a win over a bad rice team. Just looking at their numbers right now, they are the best team in the country in defensive turnover percentage and not a coincidence. The second best in steel percentage. They are led by a couple of younger players, or really one, Kevon Harris. So he wasn't around. He's a sophomore. He wasn't around during those uh, tournament runs of a few years ago, but TJ Holyfield was. He is now a junior, their center. He's put together a few really nice games, though he struggled against Rice. And it looks like Kyle Keller has his team maybe not right back to where it was under Brad Underwood, but certainly a contender in the Southland conference. I know we like Lamar as a site to win that league. Um, Stephen F. Austin might have something to say about that. We'll find out a little bit more about them in the coming weeks. They play at LSU on Saturday and then at Mizzou next Tuesday. They certainly don't need to win either of those games to solidify themselves as a Southland contender, but We'll see how they compete. Their only loss was by five at Mississippi State. So they've done pretty much everything you could ask of them to this point and more. So that's why I have Stephen F. Austin ranked this week. Um, Chris, I I know you have somebody that, again, just like Stephen F. Austin, just recently ended up on our radar. So my my team this week is the Ball State Cardinals. Um, Everybody saw the... They're upset against Notre Dame with the buzzer beater by Taylor Persons. Uh, then he followed it up uh, yesterday, Saturday, with another buzzer beater against uh, Valpo. They're up to six and four on the year. Um, they've won their last their uh, last five. They started the year off um, with a pretty tough stretch. They were kind of flying all over the country. They had uh, road games against Dayton and Oklahoma, and then Oregon and Bucknell. Uh, but ever since they're 
uh, lost to Bucknell. They're five and zero. They're four and zero against uh, teams in the state of Indiana. Um, their their offense is playing really well. Obviously, Taylor Persons is is the go to guy, but and they've got a couple other really nice players. One in particular, Kyle Mallers. He's actually from uh, the high school I went to. I think he's their second leading scorer. He's he's given them a nice uh, nice offensive punch in his second year, and also. Uh, guys like Tajai Teague and John Trill Walker have been been really good for him. And I think that coming into the season, a lot of people kind of tabbed uh, Ball State as potentially being one of the better teams in the MAC. And I think that so far, especially after this recent stretch, they've kind of proven that that's going to be the case. Yeah, and I had them coming in, I think, at 25 on my ballot. Greg, you have somebody who's kind of off of at least off of my radar, but maybe a team that we should be looking at. So yeah, you know, uh, uh, South Dakota is not in my top twenty-five right now because um, they haven't they don't have the wins um, at this point. But I think at the end of the year, I think they're actually a better team than South Dakota State is. Um, even though I do have the Jackrabbits in my top twenty-five uh, on the strength of that when they had at Ole Miss and then they uh, competed really well at uh, Wichita state this uh, past week and scored, I think, I think more points than any opponent has in that arena for like 15 years. Um, so I think South Dakota state and Mike Dom are obviously very good, but I think South Dakota has the potential to be a more complete team. They have a physical backcourt, um, a really nice personal forward in, in a Trey Birch Manning. And then Matt Mooney um, is an absolute star. And if it wasn't for Mike Dom, I think, you know, He'd be this player of the year, you know, uh, type hype. Um, and I saw him here in Kansas City when they played UMKC a couple weeks ago, and he's he's absolutely dynamic um, off the ball, especially like uh, he he just always seems to be in the right place. And he he has a type of um, he's a type of guy I could see going overseas and just spending you know 15 years over there um, because he's such an offensive force. So. I like South Dakota a lot, and that's a team. I know a few people have them in their rankings, and I, I can see them rising up here um, as the season goes on. Did you have some thoughts on Matt Mooney, Chris? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with your your sense that um, by the end of the, the year, we might be looking at South Dakota as the best team in, in the Summit League. Obviously, they won it last year, and they bring back a lot of guys that um, from that team. And you're spot on about Mooney. I mean, he's... Just a really good offensive player. He's really good at picking his spots. and uh, He can hurt you from all over the floor. He's a good spot-up shooter. He can create for himself, obviously, coming off ball screens, that kind of stuff. Um, I think they're probably a little bit better defensively than South Dakota State is. Um, South Dakota State is probably a little bit better offensively um, simply because of Dom. But I would agree that those two teams are probably going to be one and two in the, in the Summit League. And South Dakota really doesn't have. Um, you know, they played at Duke last weekend, um, and actually, I think they they outscored Duke in the second half, which you know it was a sixteen point loss. So you can take that for what it is. But um, their schedule, you know, they 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 haven't had very many top two hundred Ken Palm opponents uh, up till now. Just three TCU and Duke, and then a Drake. Um, they lost it to obviously to uh, to a TCU and Duke, and they. Uh, they won that third game against uh, Drake. Uh, they do play at UCLA um, here before uh, Summit League starts. So, you know, they haven't had the opportunities really to um, impress with kind of those like 
solid a mid-tier wins um but but i mean again that's a team i think i think we should watch yeah i I think i tweeted something earlier today after their game that they just done a really good job of taking care of business against those 203 level level ken palm teams and obviously they don't have the a marquee win like uh, south dakota state has but i mean that's what good teams do they they beat the teams that they're supposed to beat and that's what south dakota has been doing so far and then, and then uh, uh, that's also a program that has never played in the NCAA tournament um, as as a, a Division One. Is isn't that right? Yeah, they uh, they made their first year in D one was uh, two thousand ten, and uh, Craig Smith, their new coach, got there in I want to say two thousand fifteen. So he's only been there for three or four years, but they're um, they've uh, last year was there their best year obviously winning the conference i think he's kind of gotten that program to a point where they're going to be pretty regular contenders mm-hmm. and that's always a lot of fun come uh, a conference tournament time if you have a team that is a contender that it would be their first time that's you know always a little bit more oomph uh, yeah that's, those stories that's one of my favorite thing about the summit league they've got i think i don't know if it's three or four i'd have to ask uh ben about how many teams they have, but there's at least three off the top of my head that I can think of that have never made the tournament with uh, South Dakota, Fort Wayne, and uh, Omaha. Who was a shot away last year. So They were. Almost, they were close. Almost had them out of the club. All right, do we want to get to rankings? Yeah. Yeah, let's get to rankings. So looking at all three of our – Ballots now. We all have Gonzaga number one, despite their loss to Villanova. Um, I think we're all in agreement there that they are the best team in the mid majors. I'm changing mine, my ballot right now. I'm keeping Gonzaga number one, uh, but I'm not going to punish Nevada as much as I think I had initially intended. You both. Here. Well, uh, I'll I'll tell you why. You both have them at number two. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to have them that high, I don't think. I think I'm keeping St. Mary's in that spot. Um, but the reason is because I tried to step back a little bit this week with all of the upsets and stay more away from, you know, this team lost, so they're moving down X number of spots. This team won, so they're moving up. And look at just simply who the best teams are. Regardless, uh, and Bresme has a lot to do with it, but regardless of what happened yesterday or the day before. And Nevada, if you look at what they've done and you look at their two losses, they went toe-to-toe with two top 20 caliber teams in TCU and Texas Tech. Um, Fell a little bit short. They lost by a combined 10 points in those games, and the Texas Tech game was in overtime. Have wins over... URI and Davidson, um, that Ken Palm page is filled with green. They, I think they've clearly shown that they are one of the best, maybe 30 at max 35 teams in the country. And because of that, they deserve to be in the top three or four. I I had them at five, but I'm reconsidering. Um, Chris, you and I had middle Tennessee at number three, uh, Greg, you had them at four. Regardless, they're really good. Uh, we all had Rhode Island really high. Uh, Chris, you had Boise 
I think higher. Well, not not too much higher than me. But what what have you seen from them that would make you put them ahead of, say, Rhode Island and St. Mary's? Uh, for one, they've got um, a couple of really good wins so far this year. Obviously, uh, the big one was against Oregon. Um, but then you add in a win against Loyola, Chicago, and um, Illinois State. And I just think they're they're really talented. We've talked about them a couple times uh, here on the podcast. I mean, one thing I was impressed with them was that after that win against Oregon, um, they came home and they took care of business against a Portland team that's in the 300s. But, you know, when you're coming off a, such an emotional win in an environment like Oregon, sometimes you can get a little lackadaisical in your next matchup, especially against a bad opponent. Uh, but they've come out and won their last uh, two games by uh, 20 points apiece. And I just think that with uh, Chandler Hutchinson um, and a couple other guys like uh, Christian Sengfelder and Lexus Williams, that they're at worst the third best team in uh, the Mountain West, probably the second best. And I think uh, so far this year, the Mountain West has probably been the best mid-major conference, maybe. And I mean, their only loss is to Iowa State on a neutral court, so it's hard to really, really knock them for that. Right. Uh, the, you brought up Loyola, and that's a team that I had a little bit of trouble ranking. Uh, I, I had them in my poll last week a lot lower. I moved them up to 13 with that win over Florida. But the interesting thing to me, there, looking at their resume, their their one loss was to Boise State that you mentioned. Ugly, um, yeah, very ugly. Uh, but their only good win was at one at Florida, and I wanted to try to be careful not putting too much stock in just one game because I I don't think anybody I don't think any of us is going to sit here and try to argue that Loyola is actually a better team than Florida. Um, it was just a weird thing that happened and certainly give Loyola a ton of credit for it and reward them accordingly. But I didn't want to put them too high just based on the one game. And it looked like you both may have agreed with me on that. I think we all have them in that same range. I had them at 13. Uh, Chris, you have them at 13. And then Greg has him at 16, it looks like. I, I completely agree with that. And I don't know how you guys factor in injuries, but um, I don't know if you saw. They they uh, have lost their starting point guard, uh, Clayton a Custer for um, – or a Cooster, I'm not sure how he pronounces it. But um, he went down right before halftime in the Florida game, and I, I saw that um, they announced he's, he's out indefinitely. It was kind of an ugly injury, so I don't know – I don't know what that means, and you know they're already out, or they were without for the Florida game for the whole game. Uh, ben uh, Richardson, who who's a, who's who's another starting guard who's uh, played. He's a senior, and he's been like a factor all four years he's been there. Um, so as awesome as a win that what as that was, um, they certainly do have some uh, questions going forward. Even though a few of the guys off the of bench, uh, you know, uh, played well in that game. Yeah, and and I think that this also plays into what I was just talking about. How it's hard to rank. It's it's hard to get away from that game of you know that they, they lost yesterday, so I'm going to move them down. They won yesterday, so I'm going to move them up. 
and to look at just how good you think the teams are, how do you factor in a loss like Clayton Custer, who has been a key piece to that team for several years now? Um, and if he's out for any extended period of time, I mean, it, do you almost punish them preemptively for that? Because you know that they're not going to be as good now, or do you continue to just look at the body of work that they've turned in so far? At least to some degree, I like to think that my, the main thing I do is I, you know, as I, as I'm going from one to two and two to three and three to fours, would, would the teams sitting above the team below them, if they run a, if they were on a neutral court, would they win? Um, now, obviously you can't always do that because, um, you have to reward, um, you know, the resume, I guess at some point, um, even though ideally that would speak for itself. Um, so yeah, no, I think at least in my mind, I think I do kind of preemptively punish them for that, even though I don't know if that's the right thing to do. Yeah. There's no like official rules. Maybe we should make some to, to how this is done. I, I think it's more fun without them because then people could get more yes, angry. Yes. Right. Um, see, t- team that I was disappointed, a couple of teams that I was disappointed to see lose some games this week. UT Arlington, I dropped them down to number 12. They've had sort of a rough go of it lately. I know they lost to uh, Florida Gulf Coast. And then, um, did, uh, did they take another loss this week? Yeah, they, uh, they, they lost it uh, at I. Yeah, they, they lost to UNI. So neither of those particularly bad losses, but at the same time, you also have to take into account that you have to win your games. Um, and it looks like UTA, they had that good win against BYU back on November 18th, but it looks like they haven't really done a whole lot of notes since then, even though Kevin Hervey and Eric Neal are two extraordinary basketball players. Yeah, they're they're one of those teams that um, when ranking them, I kind of step back away from uh, the resume. And they're one of those teams that I look at in terms of talent and how good I think that they can be. Um, So they're they're one of the teams that I had a hard time ranking this week because I think I had them top five last week. And like you said, they lost two games. Uh, you would think that that should probably drop them a lot, but I have a hard time ranking a team um, that has guys like Herbie and Neil um, below some teams that probably don't have the same amount of talent. So I think they're an interesting case. I'm curious to see where other people are going to rank them. Yeah. I mean, and at least in it, I mean, in, in the UNI loss, you know, they were in it until the final few minutes. That was a close game. And then when they played Alabama, um, that was a game that they lost by one point as well. Um, I know that was early in the year, but, you know, had that one gone, you know, a possession here, possession there, um, that'd be a one hell of a resume. But I guess you could say that for a lot of teams in a lot of games. So I don't know that that's, that that's the best argument. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's tough. Uh, one thing, one team, I don't think any of us had a problem dropping, a little bit this week was Missouri State, who lost to Oral Roberts oh, today. So you can't be losing that. That's such a bad loss. And I, I even just think wrote it. on Friday that um, you know it it seemed like they were 
because they had an early loss to North Dakota State at home, and that's that's not the worst thing in the world because that's a you know a, I don't know how good they are this year, but it is you know a solid program recently. But it with as as much a talent as they have, it just it, it seemed like another indication that like last year, like the last few years, is going to be an inconsistent team. They were on a seven game winning streak. It seemed like that might be behind them, and then that's that's not a good Oral Roberts team, I don't think. So that's that's a bad loss. I I have them at twenty five just because they have an NBA guy and and a lot of really good players, but that's, this is a year for Paul Les. They really, they really have to have a good season. Yeah. Or Oral Roberts. Yeah. I, even, I, uh, sorry to catch up, but Oral Roberts didn't even have their um, best player. And Albert Owens, he's a low, low post guy. That's pretty, pretty much a double, double guy. So exactly. That's, that's not a, that's a pretty bad loss. Should we, address the elephant or should I say the tiger <laughs> in the room and talk for a minute about thousand? No. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. Let's Just talk. kidding. <laughs> I had uh I had thousand at twenty three. Uh and that's actually lower than Chris had them. You had him at nineteen. Greg had him at twenty four. They are one of several teams in in the country that I'm looking at that have really good records and that really doesn't mean much. Albany is another one of those teams. Albany is 10 and one. I think that's also Towson's record. Uh, Wagner, I think is seven and one. None of them have beaten any good teams. Um, But at some point you do have to acknowledge that, Hey, they are winning the games that are on their schedule. So that's cool. It does. Um, Sorry, I had to. It, HQ's doing another ten thousand dollar game, and I had to just answer that <laughs> real quickly. Um, sorry. Uh, the, thankfully, conference play is starting soon, so that all of those teams are going to start facing uh, other teams that are at about their uh, skill level. So we'll learn a little bit more then. But I, I will say, until Towson improves its resume a little bit, I can't imagine moving them up too much higher than they are currently. Yeah, the, you know. Uh, the reason I put them in is that um, they won that uh, golf coach showcase, which which um, had Missouri State. They didn't play Missouri State, but they but they did play Georgia Southern, who I think I talked about in the last podcast, which um, is had been a top 110 pound team. They're now at, at 106, uh, and I think the world of them. So you know, I uh, uh, a thousand having beat them, I I couldn't uh, justify to myself uh, putting. The Eagles in and not and, and not the Tigers. Um, one thing that's kind of interesting about them, um, and maybe just maybe if we can get a hold of their SID, perhaps we can do a story on them. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know your thoughts on that, guys. I, I don't know if they would if they would talk with us. I, I wouldn't okay. be able to yeah, tell I, you how I, to contact their SID. So if I can yeah, figure I that no out, idea. I may I, I may reach out because one thing that's interesting. I don't know how interesting this is or not, but. Of of the guys in their rotation, it looks like only one is a uh, only one is a, a transfer. Uh, Deshaun Mormon, um, he came from Cincinnati, but other than that, everybody else that uh, plays heavy minutes is not a transfer. Uh, which I I think is I would assume is there aren't very many teams, um, at least those that are successful at, at this at, in, you know in this day and age that are like that. Yeah. Um, sorry, I was oh, answering HQ again. Uh, for, for for those who 
don't know what we're talking about, by the way, which I assume would be all of you, uh, Towson's SID or whoever runs their Twitter account has been relentless in our DMs lately, uh, trying to get us to give them a little bit of respect. Uh, I think we're doing that now by uh, by ranking them. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, they... Oh, Chris, sorry. I was going to say, sorry. you know, they have a three point loss to Old Dominion. That's it. And I think we all think Old Dominion's really good. And um, they beat LaSalle in a neutral court. And uh, I don't know that LaSalle has been as a good as a lot of us thought they might be. So, um, but that's not a, that's not an awful win. So it's, uh, you know, I, it, I can see them being good. I just, I don't know much about the CAA, admittedly. Well, the, the CAA, I could tell you, is a really balanced league this year uh, it's actually going to be a lot of fun to watch because Towson is competitive Charleston is good William and Mary has been actually a bit of a surprise I think uh, and Hofstra is solid too so that that's going to be fun to watch Chris one thing I wanted to ask you about actually I want to ask you about a couple of things um, first why did you drop Vermont so far I just I don't think they've looked all that great uh, lately they've got. What about the Kentucky? Game? That, that was what a month ago. Yeah, yeah. but so they, the, yeah. Here, here's my thinking: they've lost three straight games to Bucknell, Marquette, and Northeastern. Um, their team is built essentially around slowing the pace um, and playing, you know, really good defense. That's something they haven't done um, right. against Bucknell, Marquette or even Northeastern to an extent. And I know that all three of those games have been, um, they've been road games. And I think yeah, I'm looking at their Ken Palm page, their only home game so far this year was against a, a non D one. Um, but I think at some point when you have a trend like that in three straight games where you're not, you're not doing what you're known for. Um, I think it's time to, maybe take a step back and, and reevaluate them a little bit. And I, I had, I had kept them pretty high uh, in my rankings last week, even after, after the loss, but seeing that the trend kind of continued this week, I, I, I did drop them um, maybe a little, a little bit further than I should, but um, if they play up to the level that we obviously know that they're capable of, they'll be, they'll be back up in no time. Yeah, I mean that that's fair and Vermont maybe for a lot of us maybe even myself included is still just benefiting from the high ranking they started yeah. with. Um I I wanted to also ask you about Penn who you gave the number 25 spot to. I don't hate that move at all. Um you're not the only one who ranked them this week either. It the Ivy League I I know we talked about it a lot. Um and it's not a league that's as good, I think, as we thought it was going to be. And I think we're all starting to think that Penn, if they could sneak into that Ivy League tournament, they could get the bid out of the Ivy. And they had a good win this week. They won at Dayton. First time Dayton's ever lost to an Ivy League school. Maybe this is the time that we give them some respect is is that what you were thinking yeah i i think at the most simple level that i can describe it in 
Penn is the only Ivy League team winning games right now. Um, they're 8-4, um, won three in a row. They've won uh, four out of their last five, that only loss being at Villanova. Um, and all four of their most uh, recent wins have been in uh, have been road games. So I'm, I'm giving credit where credit's due. And like you said, we've we've mentioned them as potentially getting in at that, that fourth spot and having that home court advantage in the Ivy League tournament. And who's to say that they're playing for the fourth spot? Maybe they're going to be playing for, for the one or two spot. I mean, I maybe. I would like to see how Yale looks when Makai Mason right. comes back. Uh, I actually haven't heard an update about that in a while, so I'm not sure what his progress looks like, to be honest with you. I know Yale played St. Bonaventure tough and lost this weekend, uh, but they would be one I would keep on my radar. Harvard's been a disappointment, which is unfortunate. I haven't heard much from Princeton lately. I'm not actually sure no, they've, what they they've haven't. done. They're, they're, two their six, only wins yeah. are against uh, teams around 300 in Kempom. So, yeah, and like he, each one of those six losses, um, I think by itself is excusable. Um, but you can't, if you're going to lose to Lehigh at home, you can't also lose at George Washington and at St. Joe's and still expect to be, you know, c- considered the best team in the Ivy League. But again, you know, the conference play hasn't started yet. Once it does, we'll have a much clearer idea there, I guess. Um, Greg, I'm looking at your rankings now, and unfortunately, I see nothing that I object to. I'm not going to get mad about it, but maybe you could talk to us a little bit about South Dakota State. Um, I don't think either of us have them ranked. Um, Yeah, no. um, You know... as I said earlier, I um, I think it was impressive the way they played at Wichita State. Um, you know, I think they scored fifty points in the first half, um, eighty-five points overall. Um, you know, I think they have a backcourt that has. Um, I mean, obviously, we know Mike Dom is good. Telling Houston is a um, is a nice second option. Um, the freshman guard that I know. Um, you liked a lot, uh, Chris, uh, 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 and I, I guess. Uh, you're probably more qualified. Obviously, you're more qualified to talk about him than I am. But uh, uh, David Hankins, um, you know, he's had his moments this year. I, I believe, especially against, I can't remember if he was one against Ole Miss that played that played really well. Yeah, he had 22 points against Old in the win at Ole Miss. Um, he's really good, and he's a freshman, and he's the type of guy where if he continues to develop, um, I think they've got three, you know, really good scorers there they can go to. Um, so again, you know, uh, they had the one at Ole Miss. They then lost in in Sioux Falls to Missouri State, who, you know, despite today's loss, I still think is a you know, at the very least, a talented team. Um, so you know, I think they have at least recently um, impressed. Uh, so I, again, I it, it, I'm probably just still mesmerized by Mike Dom, but um, for now, I still think they're a good team that's worthy of a top twenty five vote. I think we're all mesmerized by Mike Dom. Who wouldn't be? Right. He is the burliest of burly boys. <laughs> yeah. Chris, are we ever going to get another uh, large adult son ranking? 
I don't know if you keep bugging me about it, I might get to it eventually. <laughs> I'm gonna keep, I am going to keep bugging you about it because I know people are going to click on it. You know, if if you slide in my DMs enough and, and badger me on Twitter, I might I might come around and eventually do it. All right, everyone listening, please slide into Chris's DMs. Uh, while it, I don't know, Greg said something a minute ago that kind of got me thinking about um, not not Missouri State in particular. We, we've talked about them that lost to Oral Roberts, but combine that with Valpo um, dropping a couple <laughs> of games. Um, I don't think who's that other team. Yeah, Loyola doesn't have a a bad loss on their record. Northern Iowa doesn't either. But we know that the Missouri Valley is a lot better than we thought it would be. And uh, Harry Schrader, the godfather of Missouri Valley basketball, uh, wrote about it this weekend for us. But if the Valley is going to be a multi-bid league, uh, you can't lose a lot of non-conference games. And every non-conference loss that comes up, even the ones you would expect to see, is kind of just another missed opportunity from a mid-major. And and it's not fair at all. Like, it's not fair to Northern Iowa, a team that's beaten SMU, NC State, UNLV, and UT Arlington, that, you know, because they've also lost to North Carolina and Villanova, that maybe now they have to beat one of Iowa State or Xavier to have a realistic at-large case. But that's just the way that it is in... Um, with the way that the committee does things now. So I'm just wondering what you guys think about the Valley and its chances of getting more than one bid this year, because I think there are definitely multiple teams in that conference that are worthy of going to the NCAA tournament. Uh, Just not sure whether that's going to happen. I mean, you and I, I mean, as you just listed off, I mean, if they can win one of those uh, games against Iowa state and Xavier, and again, the, Iowa State, Iowa State one is in Des Moines, and somehow they got Xavier at home. I'd like to know how that. I don't, I don't know if you guys know how that came to be, um, but if they can split those games, you know, with the wins you mentioned, and, and you know, no bad loss on the resume heading in a conference play. If they take care of a business, um, that strikes me as an as an, again. I don't know uh, how how strong the bubble is going to be this year. I guess that you know we're probably still a month and a half or, or so away from understanding that at least a little bit, but you know, that seems like a, an at-large uh, resume that can play. Yeah. I, th- I think Northern Iowa right now would have the best case. Um, but the, the point that I was trying to make, even if I didn't do it very eloquently is that a loss to a really good team out of conference, if you're in a major seven league is something that you shake off and don't even really think about because it happens. Um, but each one of those, if you're in the Valley or the mountain West or even the a 10 is a huge missed opportunity that you feel like might come back to bite you. Yeah. In Mark. That's a great point. And I guess that even if they have a game with Iowa state on neutral court and a home game that they leave, you know, lose to you know Xavier team which could win the big east that even more seems like a missed opportunity so i think that's a great point 
Yeah, going going off of that, uh, what you're saying about um, the teams in the Valley and the Mountain West who get these opportunities against uh, Power 5 teams or um, quality wins, I think that's why we were so disappointed with uh, Iowa this week, or not Iowa, Nevada, um, having those two really good opportunities to get um, some quality wins and maybe even seal an at-large bid, but now they're going to be going into um, conference play with a little bit of uncertainty. And Nevada is obviously a team that's really good and definitely tournament quality team. But, you know, if they have a couple of hiccups in, in tournament play or get bounced in the uh, Mountain West tournament, then obviously they're probably going to be looking back at those games against Texas Tech and TCU thinking, man, if we could have had this, we might be in a, in a more comfortable position. Right. And, and the, having to play 18 games in conference still also makes it tough because you're playing 18 games against teams like Colorado state or air force or San Jose state or whatever. Yeah. So the, the best team in the country could like have a hiccup against a bad team. Like we saw Florida losing Loyola Chicago is not a bad team, but that's a team that Florida shouldn't be losing to. Like if Nevada drops one on the road at air force, people are going to point to that and go, Oh, look at that. You know, of course, Nevada doesn't deserve to get in. But then, you know, Duke lost at BC the other day, and Duke is going to have enough quality wins where it's not going to matter. They're still going to be a one or a, probably at worst a two seed in the NCAA tournament. So it's your margin for error is just so, so slim. Um, and that means you can't have any bad days, especially once conference play starts. Yeah, it's a no win. That's a great point. Um, but, you know, if if the Valley were to somehow have an at-large, I mean, I think just for the league's overall psyche, that's, you know, huge after that's Wichita huge. State. So, I mean, that would be huge. And, and that'll be huge until, uh, like, late March when Ben Jacobson is hired to coach Iowa or whatever. <laughs> what, do you, what do you guys think of – Middle Tennessee's case as an at-large. I'm looking at uh, their yeah. Ken Palm page. Uh, seven and one. Yeah, a couple wins over Florida Gulf Coast, uh, Vanderbilt, Mississippi, uh, two top 100 Ken, Palm's te- Ken Palm teams. And then they have neutral court games coming up against Auburn and Princeton. We obviously saw uh, what they could do last year um, with how dominant they were in Conference USA. Do you think that they have to have a similar showing this year to um, be considered for an at-large? Or do you think they have a, maybe a little bit more leeway where they can lose maybe two or three games rather than just the one? If nothing else, I think I would think that they've earned a little bit of leeway, um, you know, uh, because of how consistent they've been now over the past three years. So I don't, I don't know if that's some of the factors into the, uh, like official analysis of the uh, committee, but I, you know, I think they're human beings and I think it's hard for them to, you know, if they see that name, that that's, that's something that, you know, pops to mind right away. Um, so I, I, I think all the success they've had over the past three years should maybe work in their favor. But again, I don't, I don't know. And I don't know that a uh, conference USA is, um, I don't know that it's strong enough that they can, afford that many losses, especially since as, as nice of a win as it is over Ole Miss on the road and 
at, at home, excuse me, and uh, uh, Vanderbilt on the road, those aren't the real statement wins that anyone's going to remember. I mean, it's a great win. It's, you know, anytime you beat an SEC team as a mid-major, that's that's a huge accomplishment. But I don't – it's not the screaming, um, you know, uh, marquee win that – I don't know if, if that many mid-majors have. But, um, yeah, no, I, I guess long story short, I'll stop rambling. I think I think they would have some leeway. Yeah, I think Middle Tennessee has a couple of things going for it. Uh, one, as you just said, Greg, is what they've done the last few years, and that shouldn't factor in, but it does uh, in the eyes of the committee. The committee knows um, that they've been rewarded for rewarding Middle Tennessee in the past, um, so just that name recognition does help. The other thing is, in theory, this year, the committee is going to look at more than just RPI in terms of statistics. And I think that's going to help middle Tennessee a lot because conference USA has a number of, I'll say quality teams that aren't NCAA tournament worthy. Um, Thinking like mid tier NIT teams, uh, thinking specifically old dominion, um, Marshall, Western Kentucky, Louisiana tech. So, while in the past beating those teams might not have done much for anybody um, that will help middle Tennessee out and say Ken Palm, which I think some people are going to look at this year a little bit more than they have in the past. So that's going to help them out. Obviously you can't afford to lose too many games in conference. Um, But if you have a hiccup here or there, I think it'll be okay, especially with the wins over Vanderbilt, Ole Miss and the two over Gulf Coast, uh, particularly if Gulf Coast makes the NCAA tournament, which they should. Um, but win over Auburn, neutral court coming up this Saturday. Uh, it's absolutely huge if they could get it. And if they do, then I think Middle Tennessee's got a really, really strong case um, if they run into trouble in Conference USA tournament of getting that at large. Well, that's reassuring because I, I really like this middle Tennessee team. Um, obviously I wrote on the site the other day about Nick King, who's been maybe the best mid-major player in the country this year. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a huge stretch to say that. Um, but then obviously they've got fan favorite Giddy Potts and they've, they've kind of become a staple in the mid-major fandom, um, in March for, one of those teams to keep an eye out for. So keeping my fingers crossed for the Blue Raiders moving forward, I think that they're pretty heavy Conference USA favorites. So I'm not worried about them. I was just curious to see what your guys' thoughts were on on their at-large potential. Yeah, it's it's a topic that I, I'm pretty sure we're going to revisit probably a couple of times before March rolls around for them because I think they might have a more unique case um, than most similar mid-major teams. Let's see. Was there anything else we wanted to get to? Do we have any trivia or anything? I was looking at something earlier. Give me a second to to pull it up. It's kind of kind of based off of what we were talking about. It's teams that. I've got trivia, um, unless you guys have other 
Anything else you? Well, I didn't get my whack minute, so I'm 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 kind of upset about that. that, That's like a few in a row. I I was waiting for someone to say it. I I I think that's kind of rude. I had to bring it up myself. I apologize. I apologize (laughs) profusely. Well, I'll just say this. Uh, What's good in the whack? New Mexico State swept its rivals, uh, New Mexico and and and, uh, UTEP. Um, So that's exciting for them. Um, They uh, played both teams uh, twice, uh, so four and zero. And then a Grand a Canyon uh, lost at Talking Stick Arena to St. Uh, John's um, earlier in the week. That was their first real test of the year. Um, it was kind of a competitive game, but it didn't go so well. So that was a disappointing. And um, as we've talked about it, you know, at length here, they, they didn't have a schedule um, that was set up uh, to really tell us that much about them that early in the season. So we'll have to wait on that. And that's my whack minute. Hope you, and we're all better for hope it. Hope you guys enjoyed. That, I was disappointed that didn't end up being like a whack 10 minutes. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, I was ready to walk away from my mic and come back <laughs> 10 minutes later and have you still be going. Yeah, unfortunate. I started making a sandwich and everything. <laughs> <laughs> all right, do we have trivia? Yeah, it's not very good, but I mean, it never is. Um, we we don't have standards here. Speak for yourself. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm looking at records or whatever you want to call it. There are five teams in the country that are undefeated on the road with at least three wins. They are all mid-majors. Can you name them? So I'm looking for five teams that are three and zero on the road or better. That is a great question, Chris. Thank you. It's an Cur- amazing question. Courtesy of WarrenNolan.com, which if you guys don't use, it's really uh, good for RPI and team sheets and whatnot. WarrenNolan.com. See, I'm I'm learning something here. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll drop the link in uh in Slack I, later. I'm pretty sure I've got one of them, uh, and that's Loyola. It is not. No, because they lost that. that that's a good guess. Um, but they lost that. The Boise game was in neutral court, wasn't it? No, I was I, in, I'm just. That was in Boise, I think, right? I think it may not have been. Oh, boy. This is. Uh, I'm running down my top 25 here. All of the teams are undefeated on the road, if that changes your thinking. I think it's going off of winning percentage. Wasn't that the question? Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I'm just, I'm just clarifying that. These are all teams that haven't lost on the road. So, let me see. Is Stephen yeah, F. Austin one of them? That's what undefeated means. Stephen F. Austin is not one of them. Albany. Nope. Ball State. No, that can't be right. No. Oh boy, Ross, we are we going to need a hint here? We just talked about them. All three of them. Middle Tennessee. Yep, Middle Tennessee is tied for first at four and zero. Okay. Um, Towson. It's not Towson. Fresno State. Nope. Good. <laughs> <laughs> See, you have to figure it's probably a team that isn't going to play guarantees, right? So, like, I know it's not Vermont, but a team like Vermont or Albany, even though I guess them would probably be a bad guess. Well, this one, this one's kind of interesting. I think Greg probably wrote about them recently 
Okay, so it's a whack team. No, it's not. It's, it's not a whack team. Oh, oh boy. They played. They played in PK eighty. Portland, Portland State. State. Portland State. Yeah. Portland State is four and zero on the road. Yeah. Who did they beat? Uh, wow. Today it wasn't. A, or was it yesterday? Uh, they beat Santa Clara yesterday. That's it, Santa Clara. Yeah, that's a team that um, I may try to reach out and talk to them because that is, you know, a heck of a start for them because they competed with with a Butler as well in PK eighty. Um, and Duke, they were uh, yeah, they were Duke, tight with Duke for a little. Bit. Yeah, yep. they were ahead at halftime. That that's really interesting. So we got one more. Uh, there's three teams tied at three and zero. Three teams tied at three and zero. Have we talked about the third Two- team on this on this podcast? Not on this podcast, but two of the teams. Actually, we did mention one of them. Um, we mentioned one of them, and then two of the others are going to be in our rankings this week. Uh, BYU. One of them. Yep, BYU is one. Okay. Just because I knew they just got their. I knew they beat Utah back. State in Utah Valley, so I assume there might have been one more in there somewhere. Yeah. St. Bonaventure. St. Bonaventure is the other, and we're missing one more that we briefly mentioned earlier on the pod. Hmm. Um, it's not Northeastern? Nope. Uh, Southland. Lamar. It is Lamar. Lamar's three and zero. They have road wins against Tulsa, UTEP, and Coastal Carolina. So there you have it. Those are that's that, that was a really a good question. question. That was great. Here's here's another fun one. I was looking at. Uh, it's this current home winning streaks. What mid major has the longest uh, longest current home win streak? I feel like I just saw this. You know, I um, New Mexico State because I think it was. I know it's mentions. not New Mexico State, not, but I know they've been insane at home in the last five or six years. Is it Valpo? It's not Valpo. This team is. This is going to drive me crazy. I this literally team is just near and dear to my heart for a very unnecessary. Oh, Oakland. Just joking. No, God no. South Dakota State. See, this team benefits by essentially not playing home games in November or December. Texas Southern. Texas Southern. Texas Southern. They've won 23 straight at home. That's because their only home opponents are in the SWAT. <laughs> when that'd be uh, when a couple of last non-conference home game they had. That'd be good to... Don't take my trivia for next week. No, I know. I'm, I'm oh, trying wow, to... That- Seriously, get through a Kempom years here trying to find. Mike Davis has made that university so much money by bringing his team out on the road and letting them get smacked. This is great. Oh, no. Okay, so the last time they had a non-conference home game was in 2012. Oh, my God. I think that's very quick. That's very unofficial, but – it was Louisiana Lafayette at the time, Louisiana Lafayette. Um, and they also played Oakland at home in, in 2012. And Cal State Fullerton. Wow. They had three non-conference home games that year. And FYU. That was they had the, four. 
How about that? That's the year before Mike Davis got there, though. No, he was there, it says. So, oh, I'm dumb and can't read. Maybe that was that like was, his first year, so the schedule was exactly, pretty much That was his yeah. first year. Interesting. That was a great question, Chris. Thank you. I'll try to keep it up to high standard. Oh, and uh, because you mentioned St. Bonaventure, I had I had written this down uh, before in case we talked about them. Uh, Jalen Adams, um, who, who who returned three games ago, I I just written down his his uh, last uh, uh, two games, uh, forty five points, eighteen assists. So um, he may be Ooh. one of the more uh, pivotal mid major players. I I need to need to check sources, but I think I think that's not bad. Um, so he's exactly what we thought he'd be now that he's back. So that's um, exciting. They are who we thought they were. And they were a team who, as I was looking at, at them, they're had they, who did they lose to just barely without him? I know they lost the opener to Niagara, which is, wasn't good. Okay. TCU, I guess it wasn't just barely, but um, they have a win against Maryland. Um I guess that's it. But I was going to say, had they had had him for that game against a TCU and won that game, that starts to be kind of in the at-large discussion. But nonetheless, yeah. he's back and he's good. Yeah. Bonaventure is probably undefeated if Adams plays yeah. the whole time. Right. Although Adams didn't play against against who? TCU. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. But he also didn't play against when they played uh, the Terps and they and they won that one, which. Was very impressive. True. Yeah, I mean, Big well, let's l- look at Bonaventure's schedule. I mean, <laughs> Bonaventure has a game at Syracuse. They can win that game. There, there's your real quality win. You could chalk up Niagara to not having <laughs> Adams. TCU, you could afford to lose then because you also have wins over Syracuse and Maryland. And then you take care of business in the A10, win the games that you should win. And I think Bonaventure has a good argument. Yeah, and they get Rhode Island at home, so that's a great opportunity. Also, play them on the road, yeah. but um, yeah, no, I mean that's that's a team to watch, and I'm I'm certainly happy that he's he is you know a uh, pack and healthy because that I know that's a team a lot of us were excited for over this summer, and you know had had a lot of potential. So I'm I'm glad we'll uh, get to see that through. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. Um. And actually, um, that might be their game at St. Joe's. Chris, is that when we were going to try to be in Philadelphia, January 6th? Ooh, yeah, I think that, uh, yeah. Is that the, is that the Saturday? There you yeah, go. So it's Saturday. now called Phelan Adams Appreciation Tour. That's what it is. Yeah. The uh, annual Mid-Major Madness Road Trip. Will be taking Philadelphia hopefully that first weekend of January. I should probably uh, we'll that would be one of the games that we plan on seeing. I said I was going to do it. Yeah, we should actually probably do that week, out. I completely spaced on it. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. So, if any any of you folks in Philly that are listening to this, if you want to cop your boy a, a flight ticket from Indianapolis to Philly, I, I wouldn't wouldn't say no to it. Also, if you want to buy us uh, an adult beverage or something or a meal, you know, give us a place to stay. 
tuck us in, whatever. It's getting weird now. But you <laughs> this know, is after hours now. on the podcast right here. This is this is where the real stuff happens. Yeah. It's ten ten thirty. <laughs> All right. Well, I I'm thinking we should cut this off before it gets to uh two after hours. Agreed. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Mid-Major Madness podcast. For Chris Schutte and Greg Mitchell, I'm Russ Steinberg. Uh, Have a good night. We'll see whenever. We'll see when we get this up. It'll probably be a while. Good night.